People to smile. Just give me your best smile. You guys are looking good. High fives? No, no high fives. Okay. So I'm out here encouraging people to smile. He's, he's smiling. Hey, I'm, I'm I'm here getting people to smile. Sir, do you have a couple minutes? No, everybody's everybody's busy. Lost your way, lost your cool, then you straight up lost your mind. Tried so hard to stay ahead, but you keep falling behind. Life is gonna pull you down, make it hard to see. But a little change in your point of view could be just what you need. There's always a reason to always choose joy. There's something deeper that the world can't destroy. Smile when you think you can't smile. Get up and dance, smile. There's a bigger plan, the storm only lasts for a while. So smile. Happiness is wonderful, but it doesn't stick around. Walk in on sunshine, then here come the clouds. You can laugh or you can cry when it all falls apart. But I believe the more you laugh, the more you heal the There's always a reason to always choose joy There's something deeper that the world can't destroy Smile when you think you can't smile Get up and dance, smile There's a bigger plan and you've got a reason to smile When you think you can't smile Just clap your hands, smile There's a bigger plan you've got a Well, good morning. I've got a replacement microphone on, so forgive me if I'm a little loud at first. We'll get used to, we'll get it adjusted as I speak. But I'm going to ask you guys to do something first thing this morning. And, you know, when a pastor asks the congregation to do things, it doesn't always work out as you hope. And maybe you've seen that sometimes when I ask you or somebody asks you to raise your hands in worship or to do something different in the body. Um, but I, I just want to ask you to do something, okay? So bear with me. And this is really easy, Jocelyn. You already did it. I just want to ask everybody to smile. So on the count of three, let's just do that. Let's do it. One, two, three. Smile. Thank you. Sometimes we need that little reminder to smile. And I just saw this video this week, and one of our church members actually shared this video with me. And I just loved this video. I couldn't get enough of it. As that man walked out on that, on that busy street in that crazy outfit with a ping-pong paddle with a smiley face and just trying to get people to smile. I mean, he even told people, hey, I'm just out here trying to make people smile. Now, what was funny was the first reactions from some people, they weren't actually smiling, were they? They kind of backed up, oh, no, who is this guy? What is going on? Is he going to come after me? There were two ladies at the beginning that I just had to laugh at. Is That's what I noticed was he caused the opposite of a smile. 
They kind of got this scared look on their faces, but then the ones started to chuckle. But it, it's a funny thing because in the world we live in today, people aren't used to smiling anymore. They're so used to putting on a show or they're so used to uh, acting like they're happy or maybe, maybe they, they allow things to bring them down that shouldn't allow them to bring them down because we almost get more attention in life now because of the bad things that happen to us instead of the good things that happen to us. We almost give more attention and we feed this negative energy of fear and problems. And I was thinking this week, because I posted a little devotion on Facebook, and I posted this thing about fear. And how much do we feed into it? How much do we desire problems to where, man, I, I had a relative, and I'm sorry if they're watching, but if so, be encouraged, smile. I had a relative that, that was in the hospital this past week. And it just made me think, as I saw their social media post, getting ready for surgery, and this and that, and this and that. And some of that couldn't be good stuff. They're just looking for prayer or whatever. But I think so much of it now, we feed into these problems. We think, yes, I got something to put out there to get some likes, to get some attention, to get some phone calls, whatever. And, and like I said, some of that's good. Don't misunderstand me. But we need to also make sure we're making time to smile and to encourage one another and to be kind to one another. I, I said this statement in the first service, and we had a doctor in our midst, so I don't know if I was wrong or not, but she didn't correct me. But I remember as a kid, I heard a, a statistic that it actually takes more muscles in your face to frown than it does to smile. Now, I tried to Google that on my phone before coming up to give you the statistic, to give you actually how many muscles does it take to frown compared to smiling, and Google let me down. Google actually said that it actually uses one more muscle to frown. I'm sorry, one more muscle to smile than it does to frown. But what Google did say is our natural state of our faces, how our muscles are designed, how we are created by God, is that our natural state is to want to smile. So even though it might take one extra muscle, the state of smiling is where your face naturally wants to be. Isn't that kind of cool? But we allow certain things, we allow many things to prevent us from smiling. So let's just smile. Again, count of three. One, two, three. Let's smile. Look to your neighbor. Come on, look to your neighbor and just give them a smile. Larry, give your wife a big smile. Thank you. So this was not without purpose, guys. We are in week two of Ruth, chapter two today verses 1 through 23, where we're looking at this idea in the book of Ruth of redeeming love. And in week two, we're going to be see, seeing this theme throughout it, seeking the kindness of God. So before you open your Bibles, let's just have a moment of prayer, and then we'll get to looking about how does smiling have to do with Ruth chapter 2. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this great day, and it's a great day to be able to come in your presence with joy, to sing with joy, to have a smile on our face because we have something to smile about, Lord. That's you. When everything else fails us in life, we still have you. When it seems like there's no hope to be found in this life, there's hope that goes beyond this life. There's hope which is forevermore. Thank you for your son, Jesus, and the everlasting life we have through this free grace our salvation, which is so full and free. Thank you for this country that we live in with freedoms. And Lord, thank you for the many praises in our life, which we can praise you for today. And Lord, even for the people who are out here saying, I've got so many prayers, I've got so many problems, I've got so many tragedies like Ruth and Naomi in my life right now. I don't know how I could praise you. I pray for you to open their eyes to see that even in the tragedies, you are still working and you are still blessing and we can pray to you, we can praise you in all of those things. For every prayer, I think there's also a praise. So, Lord, thank you for that. We pray for all those with, with health concerns. I think right now Jim Butane, who, who is up here praising you and helping lead worship, and yet he's got serious back problems going on today and this week. We pray for his back. Lord, we pray for Debbie Robinson, who also is having just severe back pains and problems there. We pray for your hand to be put upon them. But these are just two people in this church there's, there's numerous people struggling with health concerns. 
with heart concerns, with physical afflictions, um, with cancer, and with other issues. We just pray for you to help them to persevere through these pains. Help them to feel your presence now. And Lord, help them to glorify you and to bring attention to the good news of Jesus Christ through this, these troubles. We pray for those in nursing homes or not here today, whether they be traveling, like Pastor Eldon and Sue in Michigan working with a church. We pray for them. We pray for Jim and Claudia Springer, who are in Costa Rica. We pray for um, Neil and Lori Lundgren in Arizona and many others who are traveling and not with us. May, we, may they know that they can worship you wherever they are. May they also know that they are missed, Lord, from our presence. We pray for those struggling with cancer, like Terry Webster, as she's having radiation treatments, and just bless her. Help her to still stand strong, both in physical strengths, emotional strengths, and spiritual strengths, Lord. We're so encouraged and challenged to see how she continues to praise you through this storm. Just deliver a blessing to them. Lord, we pray once more for all the people who aren't with us here today. May they worship you wherever they are, and Lord, may we now give you all that we have where we are in your presence. May this glorify you. May we be edified, growing in our knowledge of you, and may the lost be found. And all God's people said, amen. Amen with a smile, right? Amen with a smile. Open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2 this morning, and everybody needs a Bible open. There's Bibles in front of you. There's Bibles on your cell phones. Everybody, if you have a cell phone, you should have a Bible app to go along with all those sinful apps you've got, like Facebook, right? But open up a Bible. If, if none of that is true, let me say this, your neighbor should have a Bible open. And neighbors, you can just smile at your neighbor and you can say, hey, I'll share with you. I'll share with you. So as we start reading, if you notice your neighbor is not reading in a Bible, just tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, cuddle up with me. Let's read. Um, we're in Ruth chapter 2, and if you remember from last week, we started with this idea of Ruth and redeeming love, but we started with tragic beginnings may lead to unexpected blessings, as we saw Ruth and Naomi having, Naomi having a tragic beginning, terrible beginning, the famine in the land being, being driven out of their home country. Um, we saw Naomi's husband dying, Naomi's sons dying, Orpah and Ruth being left alone with Naomi. We saw them finally traveling back. I mean, 10 years of disasters, of troubles. But what we see in Ruth is a redeeming love. We see how God is involved in our daily lives through the tragedies, through the hardships, and the joys. And that God is always working in the details. We see in Ruth's story that it's, it helps those who wonder where God is when there's no dreams, no visions, or prophets. Because there's no explicit God speaking here. There's no prophet or judge coming out and, and telling them, God says this, do this. But we do see is God orchestrating many different things here. Ruth is for people who wonder where God is when one tragedy after another strikes. It's a story for people who can't imagine that anything great could ever come out of their ordinary lives. Because let me tell you, we are all ordinary. Well, ordinary, I'm sorry. Tim, I know it's your birthday this week, but you're no extraordinary being. God is extraordinary being. We're all ordinary people, which God can do amazing things with as we're his tool. Tim, happy birthday this week. Thank you for allowing me to use you. Um, but Ruth, it's a story of life, death, feast, and famine, love and loss, but also love regained as we start seeing this image today of redemption. Let's go ahead and read from Ruth chapter 2, where I think what you see is Ruth and Naomi seeking the kindness of God and finding it, and finding it. We can all find the kindness of God, but we must be open to this kindness. We must be seeking this kindness. We must have open arms, and we must also be willing to reciprocate this kindness to others. Naomi prayed in chapter 1 for Ruth to be blessed for her kindness, for her faithfulness to Naomi. And now we get to see these blessings come upon Ruth. And boy, oh boy, do they come. It's exciting. All right, please follow along. Again, if your neighbor does not have a Bible, look at them, give them a smile, and just say, I'll share with you. All right, 
Verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now I'm going to try not to interrupt too much, but I ended up interrupting quite a bit the first sermon because I just get so excited reading this. There's so many little nuggets to talk about. Let's just talk about the name Boaz. Everybody say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Boaz. Boaz. That is a fun name, isn't it? I mean, that is like a really manly name. It's a, it's a name which, which symbolizes strength. That's actually what that name means, is strength. And what you see is a strength in Boaz. Boaz is this name which also indicates valor. And what we see in Boaz is not just valor, not just strength, but kindness. Let's say that one more time. One, two, three. Boaz. If you think about Boaz, you can also think of somebody who attends this church with the Shoebridge family. And Boaz is a strong kid. And he can make anyone smile, can't he? You should have seen him in the, in the play the other night. That was a perfect part for him. Carrying on, this Boaz was a relative of Naomi's husband, a worthy man in the, in the clan of Elimelech. Verse 2, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened... Now notice that she happened, she just happened to come apart uh, upon this field. I mean, it says she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. We'll talk about that later, but notice she happened part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Boy, talk about bringing a smile to somebody's face as you greet them. And we're going to talk a lot about that in closing today. But how can you not smile when you hear how Boaz treats, how Boaz talks to his workers? How he greets them, the Lord be with you. Dwayne, the Lord be with you. Shake my hand. Doesn't that kind of make you smile? And his workers, they recognize this. He cares about them in a different way. He goes above and beyond what an employer would normally do. And his workers also say, the Lord bless you. Now, think about your work, where you work. And some people work with your husbands or your wives, so you might not want to think this. But not all of you might want to, you know, talk to your boss and say, God bless you, boss. But Boaz was a man who they respected and they loved. And they could say, the Lord bless you too. Because they could see the, the care that he provided for them. Like said, some of you work with your spouses, you should be able to say, God bless you, husband. God bless you, spouse. Thank you. But we can't all say that. But maybe we should be humbled and do it. Speaking on, then Boaz, verse 5, said to this young man who was in charge of the reapers, Who young, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. Now Boaz comes onto the scene. He hasn't been there for the morning. He comes on the scene. He shakes the hands of the workers. He says, good morning, the Lord be with you. And all of a sudden we get this notion that he notices Ruth out in the field. Now, we don't know exactly why. Maybe it's her fame. Maybe she's famous all of a sudden. She's known in the land because she's this foreigner. And we live in a smaller town, a bloomer, and we can sometimes tell when somebody just doesn't look like they fit. You know, there's missionaries like Eric Shavesty when he comes in town and you have coffee with him on Monday morning, comes in wearing this hipster hat. I mean, a sock hat with like half of it dangling down the back of his head tight, skinny jeans. That's just not me. But we can tell when somebody doesn't fit. So maybe that's the case. Maybe he just notices Ruth. Who's that woman out there? I haven't seen her out here before. Maybe it's her beauty. We don't know. I'm guessing not because she's been out there working hard all day. In fact, it says continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. 
Maybe that's it. Maybe he takes notice of Ruth because of her hard work ethic. And while others might moan and groan as they do this, or they might take lots of breaks, she is working. She knows what she needs to do, and she's doing it. Or maybe, and I think this is a big part of it, I think, I think God's driving all of this. God's orchestrating it through his providential care. I think God is in the background, and God is going to help Naomi and Ruth as they seek kindness to find Boaz. Let's read on, though. Then Boaz said to Ruth, verse 8, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Wow, guys, I don't know if you know what you're reading, but this is amazing. So Boaz doesn't doesn't just notice Ruth. Boaz notices Ruth in a way which he's going to go above and beyond any Israelite law of Moses in allowing her to just glean and pick up the extras. Boaz is like, I don't want to say it yet. We don't know yet. But maybe he's like immediately starstruck by her. Maybe it's just because he knows what she's been doing to care for Naomi. And he's going to start delivering an amazing level of kindness to her where he's not just letting her glean. He's going to take care of her. He's going to make sure she's safe and looked after by his people. He's going to tell her, only come to my field so I can make sure you're safe. He's going to tell Ruth, if you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink of what the young men have drawn. So not only is he providing for her in food, he's going to give her drink. And then what we'll see in a moment is he's even going to provide lunch for her. Let's read on. Verse 10, then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Ruth, she was humbled. Ruth, she didn't think she was worthy. She saw herself only as this Moabite woman, this foreigner, this this person which, which didn't belong here. But yet Boaz answers her and says, All that you have done for your mother in law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And now you left your father and mother. In your native land and came to people that you did not know before. Verse 12, I have underlined, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, whose under, who, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. This almost echoes something in chapter 1 we see where Naomi prays for Ruth to be blessed to be, be given kindness because of how kindly Ruth has dealt with Naomi, her faithfulness. And now we see God starting to deliver the answer to that prayer as Ruth starts receiving this kindness, receiving blessings for her faithfulness to Naomi. Boaz knows what she has done. So my guess is a good amount of people are hearing the news of what's happening here. And then she said... I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Now, this is in relation to two things, I believe. One is directly to Boaz, but also notice that um, Boaz tells her, the Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you, not just by Boaz, but by the Lord, the God of Israel. Whose, under, whose wings you have been under and taken refuge. God is delivering a kindness to her. She's seeking the kindness of God, and she's starting to receive this. It goes on, verse 14, and I'll start to read more and talk less. Don't think that makes sense. Verse 14, And at mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread, and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. Like I said, going above and beyond with kindness, one kindness after another after another. He doesn't just feed her lunch, but he satisfies her. What can that be said for what we give to people? He doesn't just give her the leftovers. He doesn't just give her the table scraps. He doesn't just give her this little piece of bread. He gives her the steak. We all like steak. Okay, well, most of us, I do. 
back to the scripture. When she was satisfied, she had some left over. When she rose to glean, so lunch is over, she's going back to work, she's motivated, she knows what she needs. Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So he's telling his workers, don't just let her get the scraps that you, you've left behind. And it's not just by accident. It's a godly ordained law that they're not supposed to go all the way to the edges, all the way to the corners when they're, when they're getting the crop because they're supposed to leave some for these gleaners. It's the way God would, would look after the impoverished, the, the people who needed food. But he tells them, don't just do that. He tells them, take extra out. And don't rebuke her, let her take it. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley, which my research shows about 30 to 40 pounds, a half a bushel. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And get this, her mother-in-law, this is Naomi, said to her, Where did you glean today? And she was in shock. She was in awe. What? How did you get all this stuff? And as Naomi, as Ruth starts to tell Naomi the story, I think she begins to be baffled and has a change of heart of personality. Let's read. She says, Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi said to her also, The man is a close relative of ours and one of the redeemers. You know, I, I see Ruth, who at the end of chapter 1 said, don't, I'm sorry, Naomi, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Well, now I see Naomi, even Naomi, recognizing the kindness of God, and she's starting to change back to her initial personality of Naomi, which Naomi means pleasant. God is changing her back to who she was created to be and taking her eyes off of the bitterness and making her realize, I'm still here and I'm still taking care of you, but I'm taking care of you in ways you can't even imagine as I'm also going to provide this kingsman redeemer to provide redemption for your family and through this lineage, redemption for all of us through Jesus Christ. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, you shall keep close by my young men until they have finished my harvest. Not just one day, people. Boaz is going to continue to provide kindness through this provision day after day after day. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with, this young, with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So, not going in great detail, but you can get the idea that it was not safe being a gleaner. It was not safe being impoverished and having to go pick up these scraps. They would be assaulted in many different ways. And yet Boaz is telling her, you come here. Day after day, you come here. I don't want you to worry about that. I don't want you to worry about where your, your next meal is going to come, your water is going to come, your food is going to come. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you the kindness of God. God's going to provide for you through me. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. All right, so now that I've given you a lot of my sermon, I'm going to have to skip around because I gave you a lot through the reading. But there's three things we naturally see here. One, we see Ruth and Naomi seeking the kindness of God. I think I've made that pretty obvious to you. Ruth goes searching, and God delivers and I want to say the statement, God always delivers to those who seek him. God always delivers to those who seek him. Now, don't, don't think I'm some prosperity gospel message preacher. I'm not saying God's going to give you a BMW because you're seeking him. God's going to give you a multi-million dollar house. I'm not saying Ian Shoebridge is going to go to Broadway 
an act because you should have heard him the other night. That's not what I mean, but those who seek God will always have a deliverance. Jamie, you did great too. Sorry to leave you out. But God will always deliver to those who seek him because as you seek him, you will find him. God is what what gives us what we need. Through Jesus Christ, we have redemption, we have power, we have hope, we have life. That song we, we watched earlier, which, by the way, was by a band called the Sidewalk Prophets, who have been around for about 20 years now, and it's a song called Smile. And it, it's because of that, it's because of God, that we all have something to smile about. Here, Ruth and Naomi are being reminded they still have something to smile about. God's going to take care of them. Number one, seeking the kindness of God. Ruth goes searching. God delivers. Number two, a kind man goes above and beyond expectations to show kindness to people in need. This is Boaz. God uses Boaz to deliver the kindness that they desperately sought and needed. Number three, we transition from their story to ours, and we see how to receive kindness and how to deliver kindness in everyday life. So starting with that seeking the kindness part, step one, theme one, we see Ruth and Naomi go seeking kindness. But not just any kindness, I think they're seeking the kindness of Boaz, they're seeking the kindness of, of God and possible redemption, but they, they probably just don't even think this is possible at this point. They know they have a kingsman redeemer here, but they don't know for sure they're even going to find his field. They don't know for sure that he's even gonna, going to fulfill this need. But they go seeking first for food. Seeking is essential for all life. Animals seek food and water. So do we. Many animals seek acceptance into social groups. And so do we. Animals seek friendships and mates. And although that term may not sound great to you, so do we. We seek many other things in life as well, though, such as we seek jobs to earn a living, to buy a house, to buy our groceries, to pay our heating and electric bills, and maybe to buy that occasional hobby, um, part for our hobby, for hunting, for fishing, for sewing. Cassie probably has some $1,000 sewing machine. If money was no object, she'd love to have. No? But we all are seeking different things in our life. But there's one thing that I think all humans, all animals, all creation seeks most. And that is the provision of food and water and substance. So this is where we find ourselves starting in chapter 2, you see. Ruth and Naomi, they're back in the country. They just returned from a foreign country, no husbands, no family, no possessions or money to speak of, and they're poor and in need of food. So they go seeking food. And they also hope that maybe some of these things will come to be, some of these other things that they want to seek and that we would as well. But their first need is substance to live upon. Now notice, they don't go begging, they don't go pleading, Roostrid goes to work. She had an active faith, and she would go work from morning to evening and work with such a work ethic that she would get the attention of the workers, the attention of Boaz, and she would be provided for through God's providential care. Now, gleanings in the fields alone, I believe, was a providential care, a provision which God would ordain for his people. And I wrote down the actual law specifics here. But the Israelites were commanded by their law to be merciful to the poor. The corners of the fields were not to be reaped. And the sheaf accidentally left behind was not to be taken away. According to the law of Moses found in Leviticus 19, 23 and Deuteronomy 24. They were to be left for the poor to glean. So this was, this was purposed by God to take care of his people. Gleaning was hard work and may not have been seen as much. Um, it could have been seen like begging or pleading, but it gave the workers an ability to work for what they were receiving and not just have to take handouts. It allowed them to retain some type of dignity. Ruth would go seeking food through this godly provision, 
But what she would find is not just food. She would find so much more, which brings us to point two, theme two. A kind man goes above and beyond expectations to show kindness to people in need. Boaz would show kindness to Ruth. Boaz would be this godly provision for Ruth in the kindness that she was seeking. Boaz and Ruth finally meet. And it just happened to happen. Now, I can imagine in my head as I read this, thinking of the angels in the heavens singing hallelujahs and praising God, because this was a good thing. They, they, they knew that, or they might have known, I guess they're not God, so they don't know the future, but we know from God's word this was a good thing. Ruth meeting up with Boaz would eventually lead to us having Jesus and a redemption which goes beyond the old times into our time and forevermore. So this was not just something to say, oh, Ruth and Boaz met. This is something to say, yes, look at all this. Look at this story through all this tragedy, through all these struggles, through all these problems. Ruth just happens to come upon this part of the field where Boaz was to be given the kindness of God. No, Ruth didn't have any signs, any GPS, any Google, any Siri, any directions to lead her to Boaz's field. In fact, this might not even have been some big field like I think of the Culver's farming, and they have like 1,500 acres of farming that they filled. It says that it was a part of Boaz's field. And, and some, some commentaries say that it may have been more like a community garden where don't think this little garden down the street from Pastor Eldon's. It'd be a big field. But Boaz would plant in this section. Somebody else would plant in this section. And Ruth just happened to come upon Boaz's section. And it was, I truly believe, godly ordained providential care leading her there as this is where she needed to be. Now, it can't even be like me walking by Dean's house. I'm saying lots of names today. I'm sorry. But... And me saying, hey, that's Dean's house. I see him on the front porch drinking lemonade. Hey, Dean. Boaz wasn't even there yet. Boaz comes upon the scene later. So enter Boaz. Boaz enters. Boaz notices his workers, greets his workers in a way which maybe we can take upon us and think, how do we greet people? Do we greet people in the Lord, with the Lord like that and saying, God bless you and giving him a big smile? But then he immediately notices Ruth. Who is this lady? It could have been many reasons why she noti he notices her, but he notices her. And I don't think it's just because she's a foreigner. I don't think it's just because her beauty or, or her physical body. I think it's because Boaz has eyes trained to see the worth of a woman's character. Boaz sees her courage. Boaz sees her strength in her face. Boaz sees her hard work ethic. Boaz sees this woman with great characteristics to be able to, to imitate. Boaz is also a man to be imitated, by the way, I should say. But why? Why is Boaz trained to do so? Well, let me give you some family background. Boaz's mom was Rahab. The prostitute who bravely caused Joshua's spies to safely escape Jericho because she believed in Yahweh. Boaz knew that sometimes people's looks, sometimes people's backgrounds, sometimes people's past do not define them for who they really are and what God wants to do with them in the future. It doesn't matter that she's an ordinary woman. It doesn't matter that she's from a foreign country. What matters is what he can see there. And sometimes I think we have eyes which are not open to those in need. Boaz had eyes which are open to those in need, and Boaz could see this woman that needed to see, to see his kindness and the kindness of God. Do we have our eyes open to those in need? Can we see past their appearances or their past and see instead their current character and their future potential with God? Do we see them as a wonderful creation of God? Or do we just see their color or their problems, their sins or their past or their family that they're part of? Do we see that they're a fellow human being? Do we see that they're a wonderful creation of God, a fellow human being, a brother, a sister? Or are they just a foreigner? Well, that's enough conviction for now. 
God can keep convicting you. We'll keep reading. Let's keep looking to how how Boaz delivers kindness. Kindness after kindness after kindness. Ruth goes seeking kindness, and she is receiving it. Boaz doesn't just take notice of her and allow her to glean. Boaz tells her to drink water, their water. Boaz says, I will keep you safe. Keep coming back here. Boaz says, come to lunch with me. And don't just eat the scraps that we throw for the dogs, but have enough to make you satisfied and take some home too. Then Boaz tells her as she goes back to glean more, he tells his workers to pull extra out. I mean, you see the picture, kindness after kindness after kindness, which goes above the extraordinary, above any type of expectations by the law. Boaz truly fulfills his name, which means strong man, man of valor, man of courage. We see a kind man. We see a wealthy man. We see an honorable man man and that very first verse let me read that to you again now naomi had a relative of her husband's a worthy man of a clan of elimelech he sounds pretty worthy doesn't he boaz was a worthy man and a great godly example for us but not just in how he showed kindness to ruth and how he showed the kindness of god and goes above and beyond even that kindness But Boaz also was a kinsman redeemer who will pursue Ruth and provide for Ruth like Christ provides for us in redemption. To be a kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament, there were three things which must be true. One, you must have a blood relationship to that person. And being part of this clan of Elimelech, an age range that's predicted or thought after, he might have been a brother of Elimelech. We don't really know for sure. But number two, necessary resources. This kinsman redeemer had to have the necessary resources to take on this person. But not just that, number three, he had to have the willingness to buy. And we'll get more into this kinsman redeemer with the next couple chapters more. But Ruth meets Boaz and begins to find provision and hope for a brighter future. God's sovereign hand of blessing is seen in the way Ruth is treated. And even Naomi, in all of her bitterness, sees what is happening before her eyes. God delivers answers to our prayers, kindness, in many ways. But I think we need to have an active faith, like Ruth. We need to be willing to seek after God. Seek after his kindness. But then we also need to be willing to seek to give that kindness to others too. Be a Boaz. Be a Boaz. Show the kindness to others around you. So number three, finally, we see we transition to receiving and delivering kindness in everyday life. Notice how Ruth believes that she's disqualified. I'm a foreigner. Why would you do all this for me? God does not care who you are. We may not be of Israel. We may not be of the Jewish nation. But we are his people, his creation, and he cares for each and every single one of you. He shows you kindness. We, like Boaz and Ruth, need to desire, pursue, and accept kindness. But we also need to be like Boaz and deliver kindness. God rewards his seekers. And we need to make sure we're looking for the people God puts in front of us. So let me give you that statement again. Are we keeping our eyes open to those that God is putting in front of your very eyes that needs to see the kindness of God. Even the people who you don't want to give it to. I saw some heads shake when I was talking about their bosses, and would you go up to your boss and say, the Lord bless you today. Thank you for allowing me to work for you today. Give him that smile. You all have somebody in your mind right now, you're thinking, Pastor, don't tell me to show kindness to this person. Insert name here, they need to hear the kindness of God. I want to show you an example here, and I already showed you one example starting of that smile video and how you can make people just smile. But I found this example from another church, and I got permission to share it, and this is amazing. Let me read this to you. It says, Bessel Friends Church desires to fulfill the Great Commission, and through being contagious Christians, 
Did you know last year part of our vision was that we would, we would touch 1,000 lives for God? Sounds like a big number, but this church only has about 100 average attendance, I'm guessing. Um, I'm not completely sure of that. Forgive me if you're watching me, and we'll fix it later. Um, <laughs> but here it is. In their attendance, they can reach 1,000 people, and so can we. But we need to widen our, our minds of how we think we reach people and our contagious Christians and show kindness to them. So it says, it is likely that you're touching lives with the gospel every day in positive ways and you may not even realize it. So we are interested in sharing different ideas of how people can share Christ's love with others through acts of kindness and generosity. Maybe you prayed with someone who was having a hard day or maybe you smiled and opened the door for someone. Skipping forward, we would like to collect a list of ideas that many of you are doing to help share with people. Because you may not think what you have is something good to offer, but realize you have a lot to offer. So let me read this. They put these in their bulletins just to give people an idea of, of let's, let's see what you people do. How are you being a contagious Christian? Let's gather these together, get a library of, of ideas to give to our people. And this is one they got back. I bought a child's bike and drove to downtown Youngstown and knocked on the most dilapidated house I could find. He notes, boarded up windows, trash everywhere. I asked if there was a six-year-old I could give a bike to. She, a six-year-old, came running to the door and said, Daddy, this is the bike I wanted. The man then said, who told you to do this? And I said, God, and left. Now this is just one idea. I know it's a powerful idea, and it can kind of pull on your emotions or strings. I know this isn't always possible. Um, maybe you don't have the money to go get, buy a bike for somebody, and, and maybe you don't feel like God can provide that six-year-old. I mean, it's amazing to see how this worked out. Let me say, Ron Harris actually, I think, has a little hobby of fixing up bikes, and he's looking to sell a bunch this spring. Maybe you can do that. But here's the idea. There's many other ways you can fill in this blank of how to touch people's lives. And I feel that how we show kindness to people, how we are contagious Christians, how we show them the kindness of God, which leads to talk to them about the good news of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, our sins, but our redemption that's made possible through him. Back to the statement. How we show this kindness can be in stages. It starts with a smile. Just like that video. It starts with showing somebody that you care. It might start with just saying, can I help put your grocery cart away? Hey, can I pray for you? Hey, you want to have dinner tonight? Hey, you look like you're dealing with something. Do you need to talk? Do you want to grab some coffee or a tea or water? There's many stages, but we also need to make sure we do take those stages. Don't be just satisfied with just living your life loving people and saying, well, there no, I, I know Christ because of my actions, and that should be true. But you need to be willing to go all the way too. And take the next step. Pray with somebody. Give them a track or just talk to them about Christ. Maybe bring up a conversation like, hey, I've been thinking lately, what do you think happens after you die? I know, sounds morbid, but people like talking about that stuff, believe it or not. Talk to them about Christ. So here's what I want to do. I want us to compile our own list of ideas. I've put papers on the end of every aisle at the center edge, and I want you to pass those papers down to the people next to you. I'm asking you to do a lot today. I know I, I, I asked you to smile. I asked you to share your Bibles. Now I'm asking you to actually write something down in church. Oh boy, Lord, forgive me. But I just want you, everybody, just write down one idea. What's something that you can do this week to be like a Boaz? To show the kindness of God to somebody. There's many stages. It may start with something simple like smiling with somebody. But it may go all the way to the end and say, you know what, I'm going to share the gospel with somebody this week. You don't need to put your name on it. You don't need to put specific names of people. But let's just be purposed and let's write something down. And as much as I want you to take it with you in your pocket as a reminder, 
I'm actually asking you to leave them behind today. As you leave, I just want you to leave them on the pews, on your seats, and we'll come around and collect them. Because I want to build a library, a sheet of paper of ideas to show you of the many ideas that we get. And they may not all look like this idea of buying a child a bike, delivering it to an unknown person, and wow, amazing, look, there's a six-year-old kid here just like I wanted. But God wants to use each and every single one of you. We are all ordinary people just like Ruth, but God is extraordinary and wants to use you. God wants to provide for you. God wants to make sure that you, as a Ruth, are provided the kindness which he can give. But God also wants you to be a Boaz. We are all in some way a Ruth. We're all in some way a Boaz. We're all in need of a Redeemer, and we can thank God for being our Redeemer and showing us that we can and should actively seek His kindness. But we can also give this kindness to others. We can show people the redemption of Christ. Everyone's able to be redeemed. Ruth, a Moabite, a foreigner, a woman, a impoverished woman in need is able to be redeemed. So are you. So are your friends, so are your relatives, so are your neighbors, so are your strangers you walk by on the street. So are your bosses. Don't keep that smile from them. Don't keep the kindness of God from them. Don't keep the kindness of God from yourself. I've gone long enough. I thank you for your mercy. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this great day, and it's a great day, Lord, because we get to study your word without fear of persecution or problem. We get to worship you. We get to be in your presence every day, wherever we are. And Lord, we get to receive the kindness of God, your kindness, each and every single day. Thank you for your kindness, Lord. Thank you for a kindness which doesn't just provide physical, physical substance, but you provide for us emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And you provide for us hope and life that goes beyond this, beyond anything we can imagine. Lord, may we show this kindness to people today. May we recognize as us being like Ruth that we can seek your kindness, but may we also be like Boaz and deliver kindness. Amen.